Downloads of this show are available on Potomatic.com and the Potomatic mobile app. You're listening to Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. Time to get embarrassed with us. Right now, I'm not trying to undermine you, sir, or take your captainship. I'm no, he totally just slowly are. stabbing he totally you in is. the back. He totally is. Holy shit. Wait, I thought like there was raping. Vikings on the high seas. Raping? And pillaging? Yeah. Also, oh, like wait. Vikings on the high seas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. We're your uh, weekly pirates of the audio archives from your yesteryears. I'm Alon Danziger. I'm Catherine Dunn. And I'm Louise Dave. We come to you every week here on Radio Free Brooklyn from 3 to 4, and we are uh, always happy to get your submissions. If you ever want to submit anything to the show and be on Lost and Rewound, you should do so at lostandrewound at radiofreebrooklyn.org and email whatever you got. If you want to, like, listen to us on your phone or your computer streaming live right now as we speak on the Radio Free Brooklyn app for Android or iPhone, download that. Download that shit. Go to the app store. Go to the internet. Go wherever you got to go, but get it done. Get it. Get it done, son. Get it done, son. Saturdays (laughs) at three. No, well, there you go. Thank you. (laughs) Boom. Just like that. That was good. (laughs) This is going to be the best episode ever. (laughs) Radio for Brooklyn is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization whose mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on your donations, listeners. So come on down and support our mission Come on down, wherever the come on down is. So support our mission. Come on down to the boogie down. Come on down to the boogie down. That's the problem. Support our mission. We invite you to make that one-time donation or monthly pledge to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. And every cent will help us continue to stay on the air. Your contributions are tax deductible to the fullest extent of the law. Radio Free Brooklyn is also proud to announce that we're launching an after-school program for local teenagers in 2019 to... Learn media literacy through media making using a hands-on approach guided by local professionals. So uh, you can participate or donate to this program just like before. Uh, but go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash after school to learn more about that. Learn how to express yourself. Finally, how... Before you repress yourself. And finally, uh, there's a newsletter also that Radio Free Brooklyn has. <laughs> What? Radio, radio <laughs> free Brooklyn. Radio free Brooklyn. And loves can... newsletters. <laughs> it's, it's a monthly newsletter. It won't, it won't uh, hit your inbox more than once a month because we are dedicated to a spam-free world. Go sign up for that at radio. Sounds like my sex life. Oh dear. <laughs> radio. That's, that's somewhat. Oh, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> Radiofreebrooklyn.org/slash/newsletter. Uh, this is uh, a, a, always a, a fun occasion. I always am glad that we get to be here every week and listen to old audio or just learn about our old selves. And uh, before we begin, 
Uh, I just want to uh, bring it over to you guys. If you guys have anything to plug specifically before uh, we get going with our show. I have uh, Art Star Scene Radio every Saturday at 7 right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Oh, as opposed to just Radio the other Free. show that you do. That, I already like, plugged, yeah. That, that gets hit, listened to more than my show every week. Is that true? <laughs> I think so. How do you know? I don't know. I just, <laughs> I know, are these just things making that I pronouncement. Hear, these, I mean, it's a storytelling show. This is a storytelling show. But, you know, if there's going to be a storytelling show that has more people listening to it, I, I think the, the experts got more uh, got some, a leg up, you know? Yeah, Sometimes there's nothing you can do. Not, not, Sometimes not, it just not to be offensive, you know, a leg up. With a, you know, I don't know. Sorry, it's all right. I've been doing yoga. A leg up could mean all sorts of things, you know. Sure, sure. I need to see the numbers, but yeah, that's done. Sun every Saturday at three, and then right arts on. are seen at uh, seven p.m. Saturdays is Catherine Day. What, yeah. about, what about you, Will? What's going every on? Every day is Catherine Day. Um, honestly, this week I on got, Catherine Day. On 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 what is? We are actually not in Catherine Day on this lovely Thursday. We every are day is in Catherine fact. Day. <laughs> Um, no, no, the only thing I have to plug is uh, you'll be seeing uh, the first Instagram posts of uh, Polarity. So oh, great. Check that shit out. Yeah, more update Sick on your sci-fi series. Oh, Fantastic. Yeah. Well, more on that later when um, the info comes out. But in the meantime, let us uh, continue on and begin with the show. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's do it. Oh, yeah. We're going to the show. We're going to watch a lot of show stuff. When you did it, I thought you were going Adele with it. Like, we're going to the show. Oh, wow. That's actually pretty good. Right? Yeah. Supervising librarian and poet, currently based out of Queens. He is the author of Escape from Samsara and the upcoming collection Celebrity Sadhana or How to Meditate with a Hammer. I want to know about how to do that. He hosts a show here on Radio Free Brooklyn every Monday from 8 to 9 a.m. called Truth to Power, in where he invites other writers, poets, and even practitioners for an in depth intersection of political and personal beliefs. Welcome, Vijay. Thank you so much. Thanks so welcome, much for having Vijay. me. Oh, I, I should say welcome back, actually, Vijay. Yeah. yeah. We, we did this show, and then uh, the show did not record properly, which was such a shame. It's a, it's such a great opportunity for, because uh, the, the book, Celebrity Sadhana, or How to Meditate with Hammer, comes to the Nietzschean idea. Uh, Frederick Nietzsche was a philosopher who talked about the Twilight of the Idols or how to philosophize the hammer. And this is like the eternal recurrence in uh, Nietzschean philosophy that he talked about how we live our lives over and over again, and can we be happy doing that? Right. Yeah. So here we are doing another, <laughs> doing another show. Doing the so, show again. And, just, yeah. and it's worth mentioning, so you're aiming low. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we when we aim low, uh, we, we we stay low. We, we yeah. have, and then we can only yes, get better indeed. from there. Yeah. <laughs> we aim low, we get high. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Vijay, how long have you been based out of Queens now for? So since 2012, I've been living in Queens. So 2007, 2012. Yeah. So I kind of in and out, but um, I lived in uh, Staten Island. I grew up in Staten Island. You grew up in Staten Island. When you moved to Queens, uh, well, first of all, I should say you were living in Staten Island growing up, and then. Um, where in Queens are you actually now? That I now, Kew Gardens, uh, for Kew area. Gardens. That yeah. is... Love the Kew Gardens Starbucks. Wow, that was a pointless comment. <laughs> are you serious, Will? <laughs> I'm actually serious. I really do. Love. I no, I think Kew Gardens stop on the on the. Have you train. been to the library? Because that's where VJ that's works. Work, yeah. I do not remember how I know that library. I told you this. <gasps> Did I say this on Art Star? I didn't say this here. What? When I was an amphetamine addict, that's where I would go to get uh, amphetamine. Get out of here. I swear to God. Yeah. The library? The library. Uh, yeah. What where, aisle? Where would... How do you yeah, know? I, I, I think I've been aware that drug addicts come into the library oh. for a little while. Yeah. I'm not kidding. I really do love that Starbucks, though. It's actually quite a nice Starbucks. Do you have a relationship with libraries not... going back from a young age? Yeah, I used to go to the Great Hills Library in Staten Island. Yeah. And then uh, after I left my teaching career... Uh, I decided I'd go into libraries because it seemed like a similar uh, objective, field. similar yeah. objective, and I, I think it was very good for me because it gives me a lot more upward mobility than teaching. You know, nice. teaching you end up in the same position for the most part for your whole career, but this has given me a chance to move all around Queens. I worked for a little while in the Rockaways. I worked in Corona. I worked in uh, Bayside. All different communities in Queens. I've served as a as a librarian in different capacities, yeah. Sure, and yeah. Um, the fact that you know you have that space to be able to foster your thoughts and be able to uh, learn so much. I, I wonder, were your parents big readers or writers, and did they uh, encourage their children? You're, or you're yeah. one of uh, many. My children? sister, my sister's the sister and I. Yes, my sister she's older. She ended up going to the science field. She ended up becoming uh, she did MD. She works for. Food and Drug Administration. Yeah. But uh, I ended up going the creative path because my parents really encouraged me. Reading, as you're saying, mm. they uh, told me for every classic that I read, every book in the classic section at uh, my middle school, that I would get like comic books as a reward. Hell yeah. So something I, I was interested in, they would be like, just read a classics book and then we'll get a couple comic books for it. Uh, so wait, so what, amazing. Yeah. what classics? So what classics Same do question. you yeah. Love? Yeah. yeah, I read uh, Captain Monte Cristo was a big one for me. Okay. Uh, Three Musketeers was something I read at that age. Any any uh, ancient ancient Greek classics? Like, uh, like not, Iliad, not so stuff much, like that? But uh, I do oh. have copies of them. I've read through parts of it. But okay. Yeah, in college, I think I read uh, a little bit of Iliad and, and Odyssey. Yeah, it's very interesting Best stuff. Best yeah. fucking comic book ever yeah yeah and i grew up reading a lot of the uh what's called the emergent the kathas which is the indian oh, right comic on. books all oh, right and they they go into the indian philosophies and the indian mythologies and mm. i grew up like reading those avidly so it was very fun experiences of reading those yeah Hell yeah and yeah. how old were you uh in the sixth grade fifth grade wow. right on. What? that is and the then, perfect time yeah. that's the i'm not yeah. kidding that's the perfect time to start touching all that shit. That literally yeah. is the perfect time, especially to start touching books like Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah. And especially the more ancient myth stuff. Because, like, that's when you're young. I, I really do believe this. That's when you're young enough that, like, th if you can just get past the language a little bit, it's so rich that your imagination just goes ape shit. And exactly, so it gives you, exactly, and, I mean, yeah. it's wonderful. That's and also, a, I read the Infinity Gauntlet series came out around that time. I was going to say, oh like, my God, so, no I'm shit. so, yeah. so happy. So happy to see it coming on the big screen. And I got, so yeah. what did you think? So honestly, what did you think of um, You Should Have Aimed From My Head? 
Oh, hey, yeah. hey, hey, are we talking about Infinity Gauntlet? We are, we are. No, no, I haven't seen it. I haven't. Oh, I'm putting, and so you can all talk about yeah. it, but I'm not going to be able to listen will, to the way yeah. I'm editing it. I will stop talking Spoiler. about it. I will stop talking. Hey, that doesn't give away yeah. anything. That's just a really line, and yeah. nobody knows that's what. Hey, yeah. it, was, it, was, it was purposefully done. Um, <laughs> this is what I get for being so behind in Phase 3. Damn it. So I just yeah. want to let you know, at the end of The Matrix, no. Neo turns out to be the one, and, um, and yeah. he stops bullets. Shut the, the fuck up, I haven't seen it. I'm sorry, we, ha- we have to diverge from that for a yeah. minute. I believe I've heard rumors that they're trying to remake The Matrix. Is this true? No. Has anybody I, heard I this? I doubt it. No. We're in The Matrix. We're really? in The Matrix. Yeah. Life is the reboot of The Matrix. Right, yeah. exactly. Our lives are. Yeah. I, I, I will say, though, that uh, I was talking about it recently, and I had a hard time really grasping why I should see either of the uh, latter two Matrixes, because the have first not, one was so... Have you not so- seen them? I've only perfect. seen the yeah. first one, and it was so good. I've seen it like so many times. I was like, "How yeah. could there be a sequel to this movie? How could there be a third one to this movie?" And evidently, they made a lot of money. But it- well, no, no, they well, they remember they wrote all of them together. They really did write all three together. That's amazing. I find and that, the thing yeah, is I find that hard to believe. No, no, no. I'm not yeah, kidding. Wow, and wow. I got so excited because the likes of Frank Miller, yeah, would say, literally said, "I." And this is a quote. There's film of this. He literally goes. So I read The Matrix, and I thought it was amazing, and I never thought they could do any better. And then I read The Matrix Reloaded, yeah. and I thought it was better than the first one. Wow, wow. And then I read, and then I read the script for The Matrix uh, Revolutions, and I thought it was better than The Matrix Reloaded. That, made, that, was, that was when they had, because remember, The Matrix Reloaded and The Matrix Revolutions were the first two big-budget films to ever be made as one big movie and then be cut in half, mm. and they were terrifyingly expensive. Yeah. And nobody ever did that because they thought it would be insane to do that, but they really did believe, Warner Brothers really did believe. I guess it's the difference between but, the Matrix trilogy and the Fast and the Furious series. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it takes a, the philosophy of the brain, the Vought, you know, like we learned yeah. in philosophy school, and it really inhabits that place of, like, philosophical questions and habits it in a very fun and engaging way so that's mm. really as a writer what i try to do i try to bring in what we could be considered like high-minded philosophical concepts and bring them into a down-to-earth you know really fun and engaging way what kind of extracurricular activities were you involved in in grade school effectively yeah in high school i know i did uh fencing so i was a foil uh <laughs> fencer nice. uh and that was really great i think that was a really great experience in fact sometimes i always i often think about going back to it wait pistol or uh, handle grip uh pistol always yeah, yeah. handle is the french uh the french grip or the handle grip yeah it's you don't have as much uh control, control. yeah so i used the italian visconti i believe i have no uh, idea what any of this is these are, these grip. Just, yeah you know the grip uh has different uh it just has differences so sure. it's just like if it's Italian visconti with a specific you know, uh, you, variation. Yeah, you were you were involved in fencing all throughout high school. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, it was really fun. We we uh, our main arch enemy was uh, Stuyvesant. So we Ooh, were die. we were ta- we were Tonville High School. Oh boy! And we met them in the finals, like my junior and senior year, I think. And we <laughs> and we poked to... the yeah. shit out of Actually, each other. Storied yeah. rivalry <laughs> the, yeah. between Sty and Tots. Yeah, the Sty Tots wars. <laughs> 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 really great to think about yeah everything else was more uh stationary uh you were uh deep in books and writing and um how early were you writing and what kind of material were you writing so also to talk a little bit about the uh clubs and such i did a lot of um <clears throat> like mall congress and mall un and sure. all these debate clubs and that really set the foundation for me on discussing ideas and discussing like uh in a kind of regimented way debate so um, 
I remember one moment uh, in uh, one of the political forum or one of these one of these discussions. The question was, it was like a question they asked you: if you could be anything, what would you be? And I remember people had come up being like, "Oh, I'd like to be an animal, or I'd like to be something like that." And I remember I came up and I was like, "Oh, you know," I was giving this whole like counter argument where I was saying, "You know, oh, if you know that being a human is ultimately the ultimate goal, and that being human that you can access all these different uh, being points, and that we don't have to." worry about, you know, conjecture, but rather we're really in a state where we can be anything. And then uh, it kind of deflated the whole conversation because it kind of went against with the, the premise of the question. <laughs> you know, so in a sense, everyone was like coming up being like, no, I don't like this question. And I ruined the whole question for everyone. But at the end, the, the advisor was like, oh, I'd like to be a star. And I thought that was really interesting. It gave me something to think about because like being a star, a star, like a, you know, actual star, a star on the celestial like the a, nebulous supernova or something like sure. that. What would it be like to be a star? And that gave me something to think about that I often think about to this day that interplanetary bodies, you have consciousness and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. When uh, I'm grow up, I want to be a constellation. Yeah. No. <laughs> what if we are a constellation? Like what if we actually are stars, right? And like right now we're actually in a formation of like a constellation, but we don't know well, it. Wasn't there a Moby exactly, song that was exactly. like that? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. Fly so it's high. a really great thing. So oh my God. That was actually the lyric. I fly so high, then fall so low. What? The song is called Stars, and it's by Moby. And it's oh, I was talking about we're all made of stars. Oh, good. Yeah. we are all made of stars. Anyway, yeah. But getting back to you, Vision. Wait, uh, can I just I just want to say one thing on yes, that. Yes, Will. Yeah, getting back about... to you instead, Will. Oh God. Yep. <laughs> Sorry. Back <laughs> to you, Will. No kidding. No, no, no. But honestly, the concept of do large bodies like stars, like you know, massive gas giants. They, you know, they have massive magnetospheres. They mm. they give out shit tons of energy. And they're, we're talking about incredible amounts of mass all rammed together. So that, I find that inter insanely interesting, right? Because within those different fields, there is um, so much. And so yeah. the possibility for a bunch of ordered structure that could, you know, somehow come into something or, you know, come into consciousness would be pretty fucking cool. But again, that's, you know, that's fun to think about because we have so little data on what is actually in there. You know, we yeah. Have, we have and also I follow the path of Buddhism and Buddhism. They talk about after death that, that the consciousness can go into the the gods' realms and, the, and the, mm. all these different realms that beings can exist in that you can impute an eye on. And I, I often think that celestial bodies can be can have an eye imputed on them, an ego imputed on them, and that that's kind of what the gods' realm really is. They're mm -hmm. in the state of absorption and mental absorption that they're like in the higher state of consciousness. When but they're you... also kind of detached yeah. from human realm, yeah. You've been practicing Buddhism for how long now? About 10 years formally. You know, I've been looking into Western traditions of Buddhism I visited a wad or a temple in Thailand. And then also uh, in northern India, they have Tibetan monasteries that I stayed a little bit for about a month looking at the different uh, monasteries. Are you Batman? Northern, northern India. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like the, the uh, I wish it was that intense. I but, burned down yeah. the League of Shadows, but you know. Well, yeah. well, I'm curious as to the impetus to why. Or, okay, you were. A Buddhist before you went out to discover yourself or to uh, explore and to uh, become more, you know, at peace with yourself. Yeah, I think that's the, that's definitely the uh, the impetus or the definitely the driving force that mm -hmm. I wanted to kind of reconcile because I had gone through some difficult times in college. You know, I went through some depression, I went through some mania, you know, some feelings of grandiosity and such, and all these kinds of things, some paranoia and things like that. Sure. And then uh, I was like, oh, you know, as it started to settle into my career, I was like, I wanted to find a way to really have control of my mind and be more integrated with my environment 
but also being very a part of it, being understanding that, that we're a part of our environment. Has that helped with your mania and depression? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Were you diagnosed as like bipolar? Bipolar, yeah, yeah. And Wait, one actually... or two? Uh, I don't know. I th- I think two, but actually the, the diagnosis has been changed since then. But because okay. you yeah. cured it. No, no. I mean, uh, I wouldn't go that far. Okay. I, mean, I would just say you, you've put it. I've, you've you've I've kept it, it at bay. I've kept it at bay, and now if there's any problems, it's just a mild adjustment in the medication and such. But mm. basically, I feel very much more attuned, and the therapy has a lot to do with that. We but, all uh, need therapy. Yeah, we, we do. Need so, yeah. We do. so you are on medicine. Yeah. So. yeah okay. Because yeah. I was hoping that it like just fixed it without medicine. No, no. Like, what is this? Sign me up. I'll yeah. Take it. I mean, definitely it helps. I think the the biological aspects of it you know, require some medication, but, um, at the same time, it ne- it's not just medication. You can't just have medication for some people. Some people, uh, ever has different, uh, stories and different experiences, but yeah, but both the combination of the path and biological do responses. You, how do you feel about the statement that a medication will never actually cure whatever the problem is? It will make it easier, but especially when it comes to mental issues, we're only talking about making it a little easier. Exactly, exactly, yeah. I think the the idea in Buddhism, we also talk about pacifying versus purifying. Mm-hmm. We may be able to pacify or kind of give something that soothes these outward expressions of problems or pathologies, mm-hmm. but that in order to truly purify it, we have to go through the process of meditative path, you know, mm-hmm. really going through self-inquiry and the inquiry into our environment. And then that's going to reach a point where naturally our tendencies go towards the more virtuous. Yeah. Yeah. You went to Vassar College. Vassar College. Yeah. Yeah. For a couple of years, then I transferred uh, to Rutgers University. I see. Because of this problem, this problem that occurred. uh, Got you. In uh, 97. Vassar College in the late 90s. Yeah. Like 96, I graduated from high school. Yes. I went to Vassar for about till like 98. And then I transferred to Rutgers and then uh, finished my degree there. Yeah. What was it like being on such a progressive campus in the late 90s? Yeah, I mean, actually, I have a uh, an article, editorial I wrote. Yes. For that, that That's what I'm getting yeah, to. Good, good. <laughs> so I have an editorial I wrote. You see the lead-in? Yeah. yeah. I'm lead-in. <laughs> uh, leading man. And it's kind of interesting. This editorial is in response to other editorials that were written, or letters to the editor. Yeah. And it has to do with diversity, you know, and, and uh, the need for uh, self-inquiry. So, if, should I read it? or uh, just, yeah, just read parts of it. I mean, I think yeah. we can get the gist with uh, probably the bullet points that you were going for. Oh, okay, good, good. But, what, what, so, what, but what's in, in, in reference to again? So, it's in reference to another article okay. that a uh, student wrote. And what was that article about? That article was about, well, I referenced the key points in, the, okay. in my thing. So, during my weekend stay at Vassar as a prospective student of color... I was struck by the numerous organizations and groups that cater to the needs of various ethnic groups and gay bi communities. Unfortunately, I both do and do not understand the purpose of such groups. And uh, ask me why I find these groups so enigmatic. I will be forced to uh, wholeheartedly agree with the previous editorial who says that the absence of colored faces on these campuses and whenever they do appear, they're hauled together like covered wagons around the fire of their race, protecting each other from the white wilderness that surrounds them. While in theory these groups, and this is back to me, that was a quote, but while these theories and groups are meant to be open to all students, regardless of their ethnicity, gender, or sexual orientation, in practice they tend to alienate those who are not members of their subgroup. And I want to add that the phenomena of augmented the insecurity and hostility and fear of other people, this, this phenomenon augments the uh, fear of other people, and that includes, that, uh, includes those who are different from you, hold beliefs different from you, or claim a worldview that directly poses your own. This is the way that human beings tend to relate to each other. 
And the reactions that we're creating is that creating these groups begin to call more and more specifically targeted sections of the student body. And this is something in society in general, that we have more and more specialized identities that becomes exclusionary, becomes a perceived as threatening. That they, when I talk a little bit about how the identity of a white hat had come up, like a person who wears a white cap, and this kind of identity as being someone who's a conformist, someone who's conservative. And this is something I'd come up in the previous uh, articles. And that I created a situation in which setting a clear definition of someone who's conservative versus someone who is a homosexual in a class in feminist theory. And that the idea is that this person would be able to open his mind to the possibilities of questioning themselves, of entertaining and not platforming the empowerment of women's society, but that this is something that doesn't tend to happen, that they tend to be very uh, reactionary and they tend to react in a strong way, that this never ending cycle of questioning only to conform must be ended. The purpose of education is to break free of the cycle in such a way that the questioning process is completed only through change, true change, understanding of others and those around you as a deeper knowledge of yourself, rather than a retreat and a reassertion of who you are. So that was the basic gist of the whole editorial, yeah. That's the values I stand behind. That was in 98. 98, yeah. What is a white cap? So it's a, someone had said that to illustrate that like a person who wears a white cap as like a caricature of someone who's very conservative or it's like a, like a sports cap. Okay. Yeah. So it's I think just the it's, way I, I, it's like the basic bitch of baseball caps. I was yeah. going to so say a, that we have other we have other caps that we associate with this uh, mentality now. Mm. Like with, right. um, a red hat. <laughs> Maybe. Red hat. Yeah, Maybe. Red hat, yeah. So they were white yeah. hats then. They're red hats now. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm. God. You it. might not uh, have mania. You might actually be a god. He <laughs> 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 kind of prophesied something. Yeah. Yeah. The alienating subgroups thing. Like I. I it's interesting that you, yeah. you talked about that because that's something that we were talking about on our star scene radio every Saturday at seven. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> BJ, no, BJ I had a very similar experience at Wesleyan where you have this sort of like, especially coming from a school and a campus that is primarily like overprivileged white kids. Mm. It's definitely, you know, there is a ton of social activism for minorities and for groups and for lives and for the awareness of experiences that a lot of the people who were arguing them were just discovering in themselves. And so it was sort of, I mean, I don't want to say ironic, but it was sort of, but it was, yeah, it was a little hilarious to see people who are, who are coming from an extraordinarily comfortable place an extraordinarily unmitigated place in their lives, right? They're not, they're like, you know, they're not, they're, they're coming from very comfortable homes, from very comfortable families. They're not getting shit on for, yeah. for, and having for the type of experiences that, um, that minorities do. Uh, and yet, they were almost militantly screaming. Yeah. Now, I think it's just kind of normal, right? That kids would that that you're you're discovering yourself. You're discovering you have a voice. It's important for your thoughts to be heard, and you're not and you're still discovering a form in which to voice those opinions. So yeah, I think I think there's, a, there's probably gonna be a lot of just like I feel this way, and how do I say it? You know what I mean? Like I get like I get that. Yeah. But at so the same time, I had I experience. You. I had experience where I was working at the Flushing Library, mm-hmm. and a gentleman came up to me. A white guy came up to me. And he was like, it was in the international languages section. So all this, oh, God. this floor, this floor of the library was devoted to books in other languages. So he asked me, why are all these books in Chinese? Oh, God. And I'm like, uh, sir, there's many different languages here from French to Italian to Russian. And he's like, you know, years ago, everyone used to speak English. And I'm like, actually, you know, immigrants have been coming here for many, many years, speaking different languages, the foundation of this country. I'm trying to have a civil conversation here. And he's like, 
you don't know. You don't know your history. And he mm-hmm. walks off. I'm this kind of reactionary. Wait, please tell me he like, marched yeah. off. Please yeah, tell me he was off. like, you, uh, he you don't know. Out of the yeah, there you go. Yeah, right on. Off, yeah. Was he wearing a red or white hat? <laughs> <laughs> I wish he was that clean. Yeah. Jack boots? Jack yeah. boots? Yes, no. No, that's too far. Too far. Yeah. Obviously clueless. And why the hell do you walk into the international language yeah, section? Why do you live in, in Queens, the yeah. most diverse yeah. possible yeah. geography I can answer that. Yeah. I came here to be racist. I'm going to make a point. I hate all of the Chinese living in Hunt Point. I don't know. I went point, point. Uh, Where is that excellent. from? Well, well done. Well done. Yeah. Excellent. I love it. Bravo. Yeah. He just came there to be racist, guys. Yeah. Yeah. to be racist yeah <laughs> i mean like, maybe I he mean, had an agenda i'm just thinking what if he's sort of like walking around being like i don't understand my world anymore <laughs> and then you're like i'm gonna go to the library at least there i'll be safe and then he walks into the international language section it's like he's so the of course he, yeah he absolutely had to have an agenda why the yeah. fuck would he be such yeah. a douche? that man doesn't read <laughs> no absolutely yeah why he's just picking going... a fight for no reason yeah, yeah. going into a library yeah. And you don't even know how to read, <laughs> but that's, I mean, but you're, that's what you're there for. You're there to help foster a community and to be able to bring people together through the power of word and being able to, uh, you know, educate and uh, enlighten it. You always feel comfortable being in that position. Yeah, I think uh, definitely my role is to be, uh, when they have this meme that librarians are the generals on the war and ignorance, which huh. I think is very good is to be able to, you know, do my part to help educate people, help empower people, empower our communities to find pathways towards their education. Yeah. It is the silver bullet. Yeah. I think it's definitely, it's like I do a monthly open mic at the library where people come in and read and, yeah. and we listen to uh, featured readers read from their work and as well as, and, and my work in the truth to power show and Can I writing and such. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course, mic. of course, open mic. Yeah, you can't really I crash an open mic. I, I want to yes, feel like I'm crashing. Yeah, yes, I can. You can. Yeah. When you was can. your you first open can. mic? <laughs> what? Yes, you can. You absolutely can. Yes, yes, yes. Uh-huh. What, when was your first open mic? So uh, this series started uh, when I started January 2017. I started at Four Cells, but I did. Uh, I remember one specific thing that suddenly cursed me was um, mm-hmm. when uh, I was in this cruise and going to Bermuda, and there, it was like this club. Uh, type thing, a like dance area in the, mm-hmm. in the cruise in the cruise ship. Mm-hmm. And I asked him to play a Prince song uh, from Batman. You know, it was like around the time that Bat the, dance. the, the, the uh, no, it was around the time that uh, Wait, the 1989 but... Batman had come out. Oh, God. Yeah, the, Wasn't so, it the Do the Bat Dance? By no, no, Prince? no. no, no. I, think it was called, I forgot the name it of the was, song. It's but the it was song like... in the scene when the Joker, played by Jack Nicholson, is is throwing paint all over this. Yeah, what, exactly. What exactly. Really, okay, really that, nice. song, that song, yeah. yeah. I forgot what it's called. But anyway, I told him to play that. And then I'm doing the hammer dance on the floor, uh, you know, the MC hammer dance, you know, and, and I clear, I clear the whole, the whole floor was packed. Everyone just left. I'm sitting there alone on the dance stage doing this hammer dance. And I'm just feeling like, oh, this is a really great feeling. You know, I, I didn't feel bad about it, you know. I, I felt it. really like great about. It. Everyone was just looking at me doing the hammer dance. Wait, was that yeah. was that cathartic? Was that the first that time was you started, cathartic, were, yeah. you, were you having that moment where you're like, "Oh my god, I'm really having fun." Yeah, and they're paying attention. They're not hating me. Yeah, this is awesome. It was mixed with kind of like, "Why did they leave?" But also, I was like, <laughs> "Why is that clear the floor? Why are there?" But, but also, like, but to I'm watch the see. magic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wait. Go. So, but that wasn't your first open mic. But that, but that felt just, like that felt like it. That yeah, felt like that was the experience of what I think the open mic is about. How old were you? That was like the 
sixth grade again. Yeah, That's amazing. Or, or something I love like it. Like it all or comes so. back. Yeah. So a twelve, sixth yeah. grade. A twelve-year-old yeah. VJ doing the hammer dance on yeah. the cruise in the, in the Bahamas. Oh yeah. my god! Uh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm all about that. <laughs> so uh, we uh, take a quick break, and when we come back, we want to get down to the nitty-gritty with what you have for us this yeah. week. Not to say that the editorial wasn't. That editorial did count. It was a part of your past. But there's even more in this second half of Lost and Rewound. We'll be back in a little bit. On Radio Free Brooklyn. To confirm, you were right. In fact, in fact, the Batman song, the Prince song in the original Batman movie in 1989 was, in fact, Bat Dance. I mean, I don't know much, <laughs> but I know some things. Yeah. Um, welcome back. <laughs> Thanks for keeping us on your uh, phone or on your computer. Purple rain. Purple oozing rain. into your eardrums. <laughs> we got um, just oozing. We we we, we, we got a Podomatic page if you want to listen to any of our past episodes, and you can do so by going to lostandrewound.podomatic.com. We're also on SoundCloud, SoundCloud.com/slash/lostandrewound. Um, I don't have links for iTunes or Spotify, but I'm pretty sure if you're already on those sites, you could find Lost oh, you, and Rewound you very easily. Can. What? I listen to Lost and Rewound on two things, the oh. Lost and Rewound app and uh, iTunes. Hell yeah. It updates whenever you pop up a new show. <laughs> Boom. Done. Well, we try to update once a week. We're pretty much uh, back up to date here. Yep, yep. Um, so at any rate, we uh, are now joining the studio. Catherine and Will and myself have hey, hey. our RFB family Homie. member, VJR Nathan, joining us. Thank you. Thank you. And um, yeah, dude. So one thing that we did do last time that I remember, but I can't really uh, say that I was doing the right thing here was for you having a poem i was like i'm gonna bring a poem too but i realized <laughs> it's not necessary because you're, you're the star of the show for this occasion yeah. um but you do bring a huge effing manuscript with you man yeah wow, and yeah. we we have this... to discuss this manuscript before we go any further because this shit is how, how many years and how many poems are so... in this, or or not even poems necessarily yeah so they're all poems was, uh, no they're not all poems about i counted actually about um one fourth of the of this manuscript of this collection of uh, writings is actually poetry that I used for Escape from Samsara, and then one fourth of it is um, short stories, mm-hmm. uh, some short stories and prose that I wrote, and then a good half of it is uh, play scripts. So oh, nice. uh, I actually am revisiting one of the play scripts, Wide Awake, to try to see if I can make sense of it. I know what the thought was. I was thinking about. Um, Kind of as I was saying about the Bardo and about afterlives and mm. and the idea of and and this kind of brings into Suspiria. Suspiria just came out. I don't know if mm. you know it's this horror movie that was a remake of a 1977 film mm. about a dance troupe and the supernatural or or the uh, horror aspects of it are brought in. Mm. I don't want to give too much away because it's it's really a surprise. But um, that was kind of what I was going for with Wide Awake, and mm. I think that seeing that movie. 
kind of recoalesce my ideas and mm-hmm. I'm going to try to rewrite it. That's awesome. Dude. Yeah. So, I mean, just for it's our like listeners. A musical. It's a regular horror? no. It's, it's a it's, no. It's a uh, <laughs> drama, but it's about about a dance troupe. So it's about a dance company, and the woman uh, auditions for a dance troupe, and then she gets pulled into this coven of witches, basically. Yeah. So she gets pulled into this this. They're all witches. So uh, just for our listeners at home, this manuscript is literally as thick as a good like you know yeah. maybe one and a half two classic movie scripts. So yeah. like hundred twenty pages. Times two, <laughs> and, and it's in, about two hundred pages. Yikes! So, yeah. And in and in this manuscript, you have poems that are going back to as early as what, like high school? I high guess? school, yeah. I would say ninety five. <sighs> okay, dude. yeah, yeah. Set the stage so, for us. What yes, poem you're gonna read, and how do you feel about it before you read it? Yeah, this one. I decided to pick this poem. Um, it was in nineteen ninety six when I uh I had a little bit of a kind of I I was I was like. Really in the romantic phase of my life, they're really into the romance. Well, thing. I'm, I'm sorry, we're yeah. we're we're in past tense. No, I mean no. It was I was in the kind of love poetry? Oh, right. I really explicit like love poetry stuff. High school you're love poetry. Still, you're still yeah, saying right. me as a romantic. You know? Yeah, I think I think I'm still a romantic, yeah. but I don't necessarily write this kind of material anymore. Sure. So I try to get a little I less lo- melodramatic. <laughs> I think. It's like the melodrama, the soap opera aspects of it. I mean, I it's nothing but lovingly, yeah. but yeah, schmaltzy. Uh, yeah, yeah. schmaltzy loving. I loved you from afar. Uh, yeah, yeah. My, you're right-handed or left-handed? Right-handed. Yeah. My right hand knew your thoughts. Oh, that sounds too weird. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> trying to make a, trying to make a jerk-off <laughs> joke and totally <laughs> fail. Oh, well done, guys. <laughs> too. But, uh, so this one's called uh, An Ode to Waves. Okay? Okay. An Ode to Waves. Um, in a flash, he awoke. His being had disappeared in the landscape of her eyes, and there they stood alone, each a part of the other. For the vast expanse of the desert before her and before him. No one had seen them leave. No one care. Red waves engulfing his existence. You know the story. They were both gone from here, there, everywhere, nowhere. They were both gone from here, faster than they appeared. Faster than they appeared. Midnight Angels, a flight once again. Gorgeous, dude. Thank cool, you. Thank cool. you. Yeah. Uh, especially considering, I would say, the nature of you having a love poem that you write when you're in a place of more like unrequited romantic, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, thoughts. I think yeah. that that definitely falls in line with it. Uh, that that poem was written about one person in particular, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, so? yeah, I, was, I might get too much into it, but I guess, like, basically. You know, I had uh, uh, an object of affection at that yes. time, but it didn't work out. But, no. Uh, it was very, no, not very, that it didn't work out, but you had an object of I, affection. I, yeah, 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 I was very, very uh, uh, heart-wrenching kind oh, of uh, buddy. experience. But, we don't li- yeah. read enough, like, yeah. really embarrassing love poetry on yeah. Lost and Rewound. So, Me I, I mean, I think it's definitely a show that could be good for that. Um, yeah. And... Thank you for reading that. Thank you, thank but, you, PJ. That res- oh, sorry, that resonates with me a lot. Yeah, just thank because you. that's so. I mean, that's so, so, so classic. Especially the imagery of just the, the watching, just moving them as they go. What was it? As yeah. they go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. See them leave, and and no one cared, and, and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And them going back and forth and back and forth. You yeah. Know, just sort of that watching, the watching of the progression of two people, and that sense of longing of wanting to be that person in the progression. Exactly. Exactly. You I know? remember my that's... friend at, and. Uh, Right at that juncture, I told him, a really good friend of mine told me, oh, you know, it'd be a cool story if uh, a guy, a regular guy just grew wings, right? 
And then he's like, you know, you should write that. And then I wrote this whole story about uh, this normal guy who suddenly grew wings after actually having having sex. They kind of the, they they scratched his back and then he grew wings out of that. Hmm. And then uh, then suddenly he was like, you stole my idea. And it ended up being a big fight between us. And I don't know, but then, then we smoothed it over. But it was just strange right. how he told like, you to you, write it. He told yeah, me to write right? it. That, yeah. that was my, Jesus that's my story. Did he get but, high? No, he just felt like. Has, uh, it was just a weird. Have you ever and seen? And was this your goth phase? <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Throwback from. Uh, Please yeah. tell me you had a goth phase. You had a goth phase? No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> He's you ever always think... been like this. <laughs> I've always been like this. Yeah, yeah. I think definitely even at that time I was thinking about how you know within us there's a there's that energy that power that yeah. we at that time I thought of it as like divine power that we can tap into mm. and get to know and that higher self or that. What would in Buddhism we call the Buddha nature? Mm-hmm. That nature that un, un um can you, give, can you give a definition? Tiger blood. So, but Buddha nature or uh, yeah, yeah. our potential yeah. to be uh, be the light in the world. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Are you familiar with the graphic novel Black Hole? No, no. I I might have seen it, but I can't think exactly. Okay, because yeah. that there's a thing where after they have sex, they have mutations. Oh yeah. So you might find that interesting. Oh, I'll definitely check it out. Yeah, Thank I you. like Thank it. You. Yeah. I read it. Where? Yeah. Wait. Who? Black Hole. It's a graphic novel. Wait. By who? Yeah. By who? By who? I have to look it up. Okay. Yeah. I'm, not, okay, I'm not like a good nerd. <laughs> I, I was about to ask, you know, and I think I may have alluded to this before the break, but, um, you know, in regards to first open mics, more importantly, how often did you share your work with people? Ooh, yeah. I think, uh, you know, I would always be kind of usually on a kind of, um, I don't do it that often. I, I, you, I share. You I'm didn't like, do that though, or do you do often. now? I do now, but uh, in the, for a long time, I would kind of like, to show it among friends or this kind of thing, and and, and not you were really, you were not. I wasn't like, too into like going yeah. to publicly speak about it. Yeah. Okay, so mm. yeah. set the stage for the high school VJ. Yeah, you're going to share this poem with anybody. Is it going to be a family member or like a close friend? I think close friend because I think my family. Although I gave my mom my collection of poems, ultimately when I published Escape from Samsara. Yeah. And, you know, she kind of liked it, but the, the, even my sister didn't really quite grasp, like, what I was going for with it. Right. So I think that it's a, l- a little very different aesthetic from what they're what they're kind of used to, what they're kind of... I don't know. I just think... I feel like my friends, uh, like my brothers and my friends, brothers from other mothers, yeah. you know, my friends who are my good crew, understand kind of... Because I've grown up with them, and they understand what I'm kind of going for a little bit better. And yeah. ultimately, your parents yeah. were supportive of this. But yeah. um, would you say that they had encouraged you maybe to go a different route outside of the writing realm? And they thought maybe this was just something that was a hobby? I think my mom, I remember uh, she had really encouraged the arts in me. She had brought me to a uh, audition for a local community theater where she was like, and I was like opposed to going actually at that time. This is you were opposed in, I was to like, the acting. I, yeah, this is the first time that I was going to do it. She, wait, she can was I, like, wait, wait, can I ask? She was told that, me to go. Was that essentially like, no, I can't do that, or was that genuinely you were like, I that is just that just does not seem fun to me at all. It just does not appeal to me. Well, exactly. I think I was a kid. No, I was, yeah, I was a kid. I was like, I don't know, I'm not going to get it, or whatever it was, or self doubt, or I didn't really feel like they took a lot of energy to go there and audition. I feel like that seemed like maybe so it was more, apathy. So or it was more the latter. More the apathy, and also my, gotcha. fr- you know, I was like, I'd rather hang out with my friends. I'd rather not. Go out and venture out into the unknown. Yeah. And then she was like, no, you have to do this. I'm going to bring you to the audition. And I went to the audition and I loved it. It was just those stories. And I played the elephant in that story. And uh, it was really great in that play. And it was really great experience. I became hooked on the arts since then. And I I auditioned for Carnegie Mellon. So good on your uh, mom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So many of my growth opportunities have come from 
my parents encouraging me. And so what you're saying yeah. is somebody with a supportive family is more likely to succeed yeah. because they've been nurtured. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. Right. <laughs> I've heard that before. <laughs> Who knew? Yeah, no, Who exactly. Knew? My experience, I'm very privileged to have had that. And I, yeah. I acknowledge and appreciate that. To yeah. have supportive parents. Yeah. And you're not stereotypical. What I would think of somebody who grew up in Staten Island. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and say, <laughs> <like> <laughs> classic novel. Yeah. I've been very fortunate and my parents and my sister have been very supportive of me. That's the reason why I'm, I'm so stable and able to, nice. to lead a successful life. Yeah. Nice. So how did this film come about then? So, yeah. yeah. So um, in uh, the interim between uh, transferring, I went to College of Staten Island to take a video class. And I was interested in doing video production. And I did, at least I took a video production class. And then they gave me a camera to do a final project, class project. So I decided I'd uh, read a poem. Uh, narrate a poem over it, and then do a montage of different scenes in New York City. So we took the camera, me and a few friends took the camera, we went and took the ferry in to Manhattan, and then uh, I just started shooting seemingly random scenes and, and things that interested me. I really followed my intuition. You know, just anything that seemed interesting to me, I would zoom into it or go into it, like clocks and various things. And I had a friend of mine uh, act as the main person where he's going into nature. It's kind of like we had around Central Park, around there, Columbus Circle, so he's like, he basically undoes his tie, undoes his tie, and he's kind of going into nature, and he leads himself into this place of enlightenment. That's the narrative thread. In the, right. The you're you're narrating yeah. this, yeah, yeah. and your friend is acting in it. Acting in it, yeah. You spent, how long? You spent a whole day in Central Park area? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then uh, I went back and edited it together. So I, I, this is on a VHS tape and all those old. They were doing, oh my God, record real. Yeah, VHS tape. Yeah, I was on a VHS tape. and uh, Like real and to real, real? Real to real, yeah, yeah. Like you so actually like, had like a machine or were you just with two VCRs or three VCRs? Uh, no, I think that it was like I don't even two VCRs. I don't even remember now. No, but it had to be. It had to have been a two deck. It had to have been a two deck. It has a digital element to it. Yeah, Catherine was just asking though, where did you, was it on the premises? Yeah, on the premises. Yeah, on College Staten Island, yeah. Beautiful. In their studio. Please tell me you were into romance at the time yeah I was oh my there. god so in a way was this you walking around nature being like romanticism well we'll find out we'll find we? out true, yeah, we'll listen true, to true, the true. <laughs> yeah let's let's like, give a listen a listen yeah. to enlightenment narrated by our own guest of honor this week mint of an urban american in central park at high noon i set my watch an hour fast but a second slow i didn't realize it at first I didn't realize it at first. I didn't realize it at first. I never realized these kinds of things. I never realized these kinds of things. I never realized these kinds of things. It is not in my nature. It is not in my nature. It is not in my nature to notice these kinds of things. But one day, but one day, I did. I did. I just did, just like that, just like that. It was pointed out to me. It was pointed out to me by a bluebird. It was pointed out to me by a bluebird. It was pointed out to me by a bluebird in Central Park at high noon. It was pointed out to me by a bluebird in Central Park at high noon. On a midday, not unlike. On a midday, not unlike. But the heat, but the heat was the only difference. The only difference was the heat. It is, it was, it always has been, 
Much, much hotter. The cold is no longer bothering me. It had been the night before. The heat was no longer bothering me. It had been the moment before. The cold was no longer bothering me. It had been the night before. The heat was no longer bothering me. It had been the moment before. Neither the cold nor the heat was bothering me any more. Any more. Any more. Any. I inhaled deeply. I inhaled deeply the smoke of my parched cigarette. I inhaled deeply the smoke of my parched cigarette. I inhaled deeply the smoke of my parched cigarette. As the smoke slowly, as the smoke slowly, as the smoke slowly filled up my lungs, I inhaled deeply as the smoke of my parched cigarette filled up my lungs slowly. I knew that time, I knew that, I knew that time was passing me by, time was passing me by, time was passing me by, passing me by, time, time was passing me by, I knew that time, I learned to accept that, somehow I learned to accept that time, somehow I learned to accept that time, it was passing me by, passing me by, passing me by, and whether like this, in a day like today, all of this happening, all of this happening, all of this happening as I sat, as I sat, as I sat watching, 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 now the tangerine colored sunset on a damp and field of green, another tangerine colored sunset on a damp and field of green. Another tangerine colored sunset on a damp and field of green. Another tangerine colored sunset on a damp and field of green in the middle of August. In the middle of August. In the middle of August, all of this happening as I sat down naked, watching another tangerine colored sunset on a damp and field of green in Central Park in the midst of the month of August, 1997, Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. So can I ask, what does the repetition mean to you? Yeah, I mean, I used I used, used to experiment a lot with repetition to kind of get a musical quality or rhythmic quality to it. Mm -hmm. So uh, I tried to work with that, even in plays and such. Some of the plays I would use repetition in order to kind of dissociate from the meaning, which is probably what I was going through is that experience psychologically, but also um, kind of give, give a sense to the audience, a sense of like focusing on the rhythm and focusing on the musicality rather than content. Also give different meanings, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, when you keep that going, that structure of your voice is really the structure, you know, that's the structure of the whole film, right? Exactly, yeah. So that was just very interesting. And especially, I did, you know, how how old were you when you made that? So uh, It was 97, 90, right? 97, yeah. 97, 98, around that time. Yeah. Because uh, so, that year was mentioned in the verse. Yeah, uh, exactly. But, yeah. but but the video that we're watching 90. here in the studio. It says 90. It says 90, but yeah. honestly, that's a common thing that happens with video yeah. cameras. They get their year wrong all the time. Exactly, exactly. I didn't know how to change it. I wasn't too excited. Nobody I does. Nobody does. No, I love yeah. it. You shipped it over. Yeah. 13, yeah. 13, 13, 27, yeah. September per 11th. Yeah. Um, do you have, <laughs> you know, just like it just so fucks up sometimes. But honestly, how old were you? 19 or 20, I think. Okay. Yeah. 19. All right. Yeah. yeah, that was born. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's a very. You were, you were still living on Staten Island though. Uh, well, I just I just moved from Poughkeepsie back to Staten Island, so right. 
And then yeah, this was, was the transition, yeah. between, transition Bastard between Bastard and Rutgers. Rutgers. Yeah. Okay, so you'd already, not to sound blunt about this, but you had already gone through your crisis effectively. A main major portion of it in 2002, I had a little bit of a crisis about like because like that was just the beginning of it actually. Okay. Like I really got that <laughs> stage, stage one. Stage one. Yeah. So yeah, really, this was just the beginning of it. The yeah. next film was me running around the city talking to random people, yeah? Yeah, it was basically like, 2002 was <laughs> how difficult. Did, how did, how did yeah. John Lennon get in here? <laughs> oh, sorry. No, I was trying to do that. Do, do you know the, the... I've got four stock characters, and this is one of them. <laughs> this is one of I them. I burned the other two on the intro. I did. I had to get All right, VJ. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> Anyway, so 9-11 was like uh, kind yeah. of a very disturbing yeah. no, moment. And then anniversary, first anniversary of 9-11, I remember I had, I got hospitalized and such. And oh, it was dear. really upsetting. I guess I connect a little bit with the 9-11 truth. You know, I was thinking a lot of paranoid thoughts about things like, you know, whether or not government was complicit and all this kind of thing. All this kind of stuff was going through my mind. Sure. And all these things. And it was just a very disturbing kind of time for, I think, everyone. What if you're right, though? What yeah. if it was the government? Yeah. Like, what if that wasn't <laughs> you being crazy? Yeah. Definitely there's certain aspects of it. The thoughts I had at that time that were probably true that, you know, in effect, you know, the government and all that were creating these uh, lies about Iraq and all that and about the mass, mass destruction and all these kinds mm. of things. But we need to be a little bit more, we need to keep self-care and all that and be able to, we need to be warriors of light without kind of inflicting ourselves the damage that, you know, the wounds or whatever, not being too... Taking it too much, taking taking that burden too heavily, yeah. Because as every yeah. warrior of light knows, you've yeah. got to fuck up somebody else's life before you can <laughs> fix your own. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. A lot of these huge political things do yeah. affect you in a major way, and yeah. you have a lot of thoughts, you have a lot of feelings, uh, you you manifest all of that uh, frustration into your writing. Yeah, I think I've been able to channel and kind of direct the kind of flow of the thoughts and ideas into kind of a way in which I can experiment and allow myself to, you know, re-envision, revision, or re, re, uh, rethink about the things that uh, I've gone through. So yeah. in Escape from Samsara, was about kind of looking at everyday occurrences that were happening and looking at them through a spiritual lens. And Celebrity Solid and I took, like, the, the public narrative of these celebrities and kind of melded them into meditative moments where I kind of used them as personas or symbols for um, my own experience, you know? Yeah. Can you give an example? Yeah. So like Joaquin Phoenix, I use as a person who um, is on the road or on the path to full enlightenment. And in the book, he, in, in a series of poems, he decides to go to a cave and like uh, meditate. Okay. So he goes to the cave to, he's like of the objective. And I was kind of inspired by his flawed documentary, I'm Still Here. Oh, when he there. lost he, his goddamn mind? Yeah, exactly. I thought on that's purpose. why. That's why I thought I so. that as a piece of performance kind of, art. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah, this is the kind of an actor who would just put everything online to go out there and go into a cave and, and try to do this. That's why I cast him in that role uh, in the in the narrative. <laughs> so I, I was I picked him and I did that, and then I had him on a collision course with another actor, Sasha Baron Cohen, who was like a provocateur. He goes into the cave and he kind of tries to um, provoke him uh, using kind of more tantric uh, elements of like mixing the um, would be considered like the sexuality with spirituality and challenging him. So uh, you have to read the book. I hope people go get, find samples of it and all this kind mm -hmm. of thing. Uh, that's kind of like what I try to think about is how uh, any narrative is never neat and clean, but rather there's always some avenue for trying to challenge and trying to provoke. And, and I try to take on that.
you've got a yeah. lot of work cut out for you in this time of, yeah, of your life you. right now. As we yeah. as we said as we said earlier, you're aiming low. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We're getting high. Yeah. yeah. They can get your book on Amazon? Or? Yeah, on Amazon, all these sources. But they can also look at VJRNathan.com, V-I-J-A-Y, Rnathan.com. And then uh, they can follow what I'm doing. I'm going to be posting uh, readings and such, all these kinds of things. And find out links to buying Celebrity Sadhana either through BookBaby or through Amazon or wherever they prefer. Anything else that you have coming up then that, pe- that you want people to uh, check out? Obviously, besides the amazing show that comes here every week on Radio Free Brooklyn at 8 a.m. on Mondays. Yeah, every last Thursday of the month at Forest Hills Library. Yes. We do an open go. mic. That's yeah. where the open mic is. That's okay. the open mic. That's the open mic at Forest Hills Library. Every, every last library. Thursday? Every last Thursday. I'll be reading December 27th, I believe, is last Thursday of December. Uh, I'll be reading that from that book as well. Oh my god! Can I well, yeah. can I can I come to that? And, yes, and I'm going to go see an Will, old friend. You can go to all, yeah. all. No, 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 no. Can go I come to, to that? Go to I'm going to go and I'm going to go. I'm going to see an old friend before I come in, and then I'm going to come in. I'm going to read really fast. <laughs> Whatever you read. <laughs> well, I didn't even realize you did any readings. I do like a couple of uh, like you know short form readings of stories of mine, but I do that in like in the middle of nowhere. I literally tell nobody about that. Oh, because like well, it's, now you it's have me. Oh fuck! Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> you're, you're on black. Yeah. I'm really excited to hear your reading. I yeah, really great. Thank you. Thank you so it's, much. It's a, yeah, yeah. That open mic format's wonderful for really finding out how it is with, within a crowd. You know yeah, I mean? exactly, exactly. Yeah. Listen to VJR Nathan's show "Trips to Power" every Monday morning here from eight to nine a.m. for sure. Listen to our show here next week, three to four p.m. Right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. That'll about do it for us. Thank you so much, VJ, for being Thank here you. this Thank week. Thank you so much. Yeah, VJ, that's a lot of very personal work, and you were you're very open about sharing it, and you're very eloquent in describing it. So you know. Thank um, you. Is so. there any way, VJ, that as we uh, go out before we end the show, that you can? I'm not like anybody else is going to see us because it's okay. You can just get embarrassed with the three of us here watching you do the bad dance. Do the bad dance. Do the bad dance. Do the bad dance. Play the music. Right. She's gonna get the music. I could do. I used to do the hammer dance. Actually, that was what I used to do. do the MC hammer, hammer dance. dance. Yeah. The hammer you know? dance. Yeah. Do the. Yes, perfect. We'll see you all next week. Oh, We're gonna hi. play this out. <laughs> and we're gonna watch VJ dance. Wish y'all were here to see it. Catherine Dunn. Thank you. Will Tasty. Hey. Radio. I'm a lawn dancer. Radio Free Brooklyn. <laughs> we'll see you all. Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. And that's a lot of jokers. <laughs> that's where Eminem got the idea. I did have that image as you were screwing it. It was sort of just like...
No, 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 it really wasn't. It, I was sort of just thinking that Eli was going to be like, so it's a fuck good it. God. Hey, this fucking go, job. I'm going out with, with style. <laughs> this shit's going too well. And Elon Danziger left the studio after having poured a bottle of seltzer water on the console. <laughs>